Okay. Got that. Okay, we're ready to ready to roll. So I want to welcome everybody um, that is here on the call today and um, our special thanks to Amal Sham for being willing to be on here and be vulnerable and tell your story, share your story with us. Um, I'm going to start by reading his bio. Um, Amal Sham was born in Cape Town, South Africa during, during the unforgettable unforgettable years of apartheid. After high school and the release of Nelson Mandela, he dropped out of college to find answers to the big questions in life. He left home and traveled around South, South Africa under the guidance of a good friend and shaman. He was the kindest and wisest man that Amal had ever met. They lived a simple life exploring the self in the magical universe. So during <clears throat> his travels, they visited ISKCON temples and met devotees in different cities and festivals. During, okay. Always leaving deep impressions and desires in his heart, which only surfaced during extreme difficulties, which still happen in their simple life. During such, one such period in 1996, Amal made the plunge and he moved into the temple in Hillsborough, not Hillsborough, but Hillsborough Temple in Johannesburg, South Africa. He stayed in the fold of ISKCON, moved to the States to learn animal husbandry with the famed Balabhadra Prabhu in Nuvrindavan. That was a big growing experience for him. Later, he got married and four years later divorced. Constantly moving from temple to temple, unable to call any place home, he met many devotees but made few deep connections. After hanging up his beads and giving up the identity of a Hare Krishna devotee, he felt free to think think for himself and pursue his own interests, which included other spiritual paths. He met his current wife at this time and felt like she was just the right amount of Hare Krishna devotee for him that he could handle since she was a second generation devotee and she was more fun, easygoing, once a year festival going Hare Krishna devotee. <laughs> but that has changed as he will tell his story. <laughs> Being a free agent and by some good fortune, Amal happened to visit Odaria. <clears throat> Once he met Guru Maharaj, his Hindu approach to Krishna consciousness got challenged. And after a few years of festival going and home visits from Guru Maharaj, he became attracted by his affection and wisdom and understanding of the Gaudiya Vaishnava path. By his influence and grace on Janmashtami of 2013, Amal willingly entered the sacrificial fire yet, yet again to make another commitment, something he was certain he would never do again in this lifetime. 
And he has had the good fortune of experiencing the magic of following Guru Maharaj's instructions as his life got transformed again in a big way. Today, he is still holding on to his care and direction, Guru Maharaj's care and direction, and he feels his love through our Sangha and friends. He now lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, with his wife, Atula Saki, and his two sons, Atreya Rishi and Aravinda. And he's in the company of wonderful, well-wishing friends and devotees. His boys attend a devotee-run community school, which forms a larger devotee community of kind and loving families. So there you have it. That's Amal Sham's little condensed version of his many years. I don't know. You'll have to tell us. How old are you now? You look 20 with your shaved head. How 25. You're 25 now. Okay. <laughs> 45. 45. Oh, my goodness. But I don't need to say anymore. I think the bio kind of sums it up. It sums it up. Now we're gonna we're gonna unpack your bio. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I first wanted to I first wanted to uh, appreciate uh, this service that you do. Oh, and, thank you. Um, because I really love biographies and autobiographies, and I love devotees and the story. This is just wonderful. I get oh. the best of, of everything. And, well, thank uh, you. And thank you so much for being, being willing to come on because some devotees, it's just been too much out of their comfort zone and they, you know, they just haven't been able to quite push themselves to come out and share with us. But maybe as we go along that some of the more shy introverted devotees will also feel inspired to, to tell us their stories as well. So um, I'm going to just start with, you know, your early life um, living in South Africa, which really difficult time in Cape Town. And, you know, um, I was there 11 years ago and I was just astounded at the level of fear that I could feel in the, in, you know, it was just prevalent everywhere. Um, I don't know if it was like that so much during your childhood, but um, were there any clues in your early life that would um, have given you some indication that you might not pursue just an ordinary materialistic life and you were gonna take to some spiritual path? Was there anything in your life that gave you those clues? Um, so for me, I feel like, um, um, well, firstly, I come from a very religious background. So my parents were, you know, my father, my my earliest memories of my dad was um, him waking up early, reading the Bible, that type of thing, you know, worked hard. Um, he was like your typical man figure, you know, he, he stoic, you know, just responsible, um, you know, paid off, you know, he did everything that, you could depend on this man, you know? Nice. And um, I always saw him as um, someone that the community leaned on. He would, uh, he would do, he was a, a mason. So he would, he worked with, you know, he worked with rock mm. and, you know, so he supported his community. He always took care of the, 
less fortunately. My mother was very helpful around the house. She was like the fun person. She, we had, we, I'm the youngest of eight, so it was very hard. Oh my hard. goodness, eight children. Um, eight children. Um, you know, we were born into poverty and, um, you know, through my father's hard work, I, I guess he kind of pulled themselves out of that situation. In, my mother just passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And, um, how how old was your mom? She was, uh, she was 86. Oh. And uh, yeah, so she just passed away and um, everything was covered. Like wow. my father had, you know, taken care, taken care of, of all, the all the We couldn't even accident. buy flowers for the funeral. It was like wow. yeah, all covered. So. Wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, from, from that, he really worked really hard. And I'm really proud of that. But anyway, I came from that situation and I was really protected from the political unrest in, in the country. Like, I never knew any of that until I reached high school, um, you know? So I just lived in my little, my little bubble of segregation and I never knew any better. Like, these were the beaches we had to use and these were the, you know, these were the the areas that we could visit. I never knew any different, you know, I had my friends and, you know, life was, life was good. So I, I'm very grateful that I was protected from, from all that. You know. um, so what, what is your ethnic kind of combination from your parents? Because. Yeah. So um, my grandfather, he looked more Indian. So he had, uh, he had like Sri Lankan, his parents, uh, one of his, uh, I think it was his mother, uh, was a um, Sri Lankan woman, mm. and the father was Scottish. So there was that. And then my mother's side, she has, we don't really know, but she has like Bushmen in there, and she has English in there. Mm. So there's that mix, you know. So yeah, I have a little bit of yeah. So what, what do you answer when it asks on a, you know, some kind of a form, you know, <laughs> race or you other? Know, other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to answer your question, um, I really didn't feel like uh, I had, um, I just didn't feel like I had any idea of what I was going to be and, and what this, it, it just it was so intimidating, the whole um, being grown up and trying to figure that out. Mm. It just, I couldn't, I had no idea. Um, and I do, some of my early memories of being in church was like, I really liked this place. Now there's actually a picture of me, like not wanting to leave church and like I was holding on to like the the bench, you know, my mother, and I was crying. I was like, don't get me out of here. Like, I just want to stay here. It's like peaceful. I like yeah. to be peaceful, you know, not nines. Yeah. We like to be peaceful. <laughs> it was very peaceful. <laughs> so um, also um, being the youngest of eight, I, I feel like I had this perpetual struggle for identity, you know, so because I, I had hand-me-downs you know, I, I, you know, I never had my own clothes. I could never have my own style. The mm -hmm. music I listened to was all based on my brothers and sisters' choices. And so, you know, 
there was definitely a rebellious stage when I reached uh, teenage uh, years. Um, something you had mentioned uh, in your interview with Madan, um, which really hit home for me and was relatable, was the chameleon read on others you know I, I really felt like I developed that I could read others and I had that ability to just be the person they wanted me to be you know mm -hmm. but I couldn't maintain it so like for me it's very hard to be around big groups of people for extended amounts of time because I feel like I, I have to give and give and give and I just I just want my own space give me my own space so I can so I haven't figured out how to, you know, because I always thought it was a, it was a, it was a, a positive. Well, the way you talked about it was like, oh, maybe I got to rethink that one. <laughs> I think that it is very positive that, you know, you're able to read people and understand their needs, but, um, but to become, you know, to try to, you know, like, I think I used the word shape shift. Yeah. According, shape -shift. yeah, yeah to, according to what other people you think other people want you to be instead and then yeah totally giving up your own sense of identity that's where it that part of it is not healthy but the first part yeah being able to understand and really be able to tune into people and and be there as a, a support and a comfort that's a you have that i know you that's your you have that in your nature it's just that second part that we have to work on just right. yeah that's thank you thank you for yeah. that <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay so i think we kind of covered my my early childhood yeah so so what was it then that um ultimately was like the flute sound krishna's flute sound for you to come and follow his path that you know you you know you've talked about you were with the shaman traveling with the shaman and both so, of you yeah so okay. how did that happen did okay that... so um i would take it um when i was young i had this dream i had one dream mm -hmm. that was a like a scary dream um i, I came home from school and uh, my parent my father was reading the newspaper and then i i i was talking to him and he pulled down the newspaper and I saw this face which kind of was very scary and mm. I, it was like a monster almost and I was like what the hell is going on so I ran to my mother and yelling and, and she looked up while she was cooking she had the same face and you know all my siblings and the whole neighborhood they all came out and looked at me like I was like some strange person like I couldn't I couldn't relate to any of them and it was the scariest thing mm. and oh. Later, uh, later, I had the same dream when I was a teenager, and it was like confirming something for me that I needed to look at something. You know, why am I different? And what, yeah. you know, wow. and so um, um, when I met this um, this person, uh, his name was Nigel. Um, he was a really he had actually lived with uh, Bushman. And he was a really, he was very, he was very different, but he was considered a colored like me. So we grew up in the same, uh, you know, uh, conditions, I guess. Uh, but he had traveled, he had been with white people, you know, and he'd been with black people and, you know, he crossed the lines and 
Um, so that was very exciting so to meet someone like that and, and, and have that insight. And then um, when Nelson Mandela left, uh, you know, prison, uh, when you got released, like everything changed in the country. And, um, you know, I could, now I had, I could meet my white people, you know, and, and like interact with, with people of different um, races and ethnicity. And it was, it was amazing. It was, it was incredible. And I felt like I'm not going to keep going with the trajectory that I had before, before this all happened. Like I was going to be a civil engineer and like whatever plans I had, I was like, Oh, like this blows the top wide open now, you know, <laughs> let's wow. see what possibilities there are. And, um, and I left home when I was 18. I'd never done my own laundry at that point. You know, my mother was a stay-at-home mom, so she'd done everything. When I left home, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, wow, I gotta brush my hair. You know, just, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, you think an 18-year-old person knew how to do all those things, but I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't teach life skills in school. Maybe they do now, but yeah, so many young people, they say they, you know, get a college education, but don't know how to balance their checkbook, you know? Right, so, right. Yeah. So then I, I left home and we kind of just traveled. I, I went and stayed with him on like an intentional community. And um, he was way, he was like at least 10 years older than me. Like, I don't even know how old he was. He seemed ageless. Um, and, um, you know, we, he'd, he had guided me with um, psychotropic plants. So we had done, you know, psychedelics and stuff. But um, I, I could never relate to my friends when I was a teenager. Like, I, I started psychedelics when I was 17 or whatever. But but it was never for the same reasons as my friends. Like they all wanted to just like escape something, but I was trying to find something, you know? Like to me, it was like, oh my God, like I'm eternal. Like, this is incredible. Like, this is what I knew. Like I knew there's more to life than this. Like the, the, the possibilities, like we need to figure this out. Like what's going on? And, uh, and they were like, oh, let's just party, man. Like, and I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, so when I met this guy, he was taking me on an inner journey, you know, and we would fast and we would, you know, he would teach me like how to commune with nature. And it was, it was a very amazing experience. And, but it was also very ego effacing because I was, it was, I was challenged every step of the way like to not know where my next meal is coming from you know to uh just depend on, on 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 in that time we call it the great spirit you know depend on the great spirit we performed tapasya i mean it, it was it was a whole different life you know of, of like i had i wore barefoot i was barefoot and stinky you know probably i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like a good title for a book barefoot and stinky <laughs> <laughs> um but um one such story if i can just add that in just to give you an idea of the the, the level of that we were dealing with i had um we had gone on one such journey and he he'd set me up on a, with a fire this was like past one in the morning, you know, it's like an all night thing. 
just me and him. And he had gone, I don't know where he went, but um, I was playing like a didgeridoo, I think, it was this Aboriginal instrument. And I was sitting by the fire and I was just going deep into meditation. And at one point I'd seen this, this wolf. And like, I was this Native American Indian uh, man or young man, and I had a wolf. And that was my vision. And then, you know, the sun rose and everything. And you wouldn't believe it. When I looked to my side and I came out of the meditation, there was a German shepherd dog sitting next to me. Oh my goodness. I wouldn't lie to you. Then I developed a relationship with this dog and he had ticks and I kind of washed him off. And uh, I took care of him for, for a couple of days, fed him and everything. Then she left. And then a few days later, she came back and I did the same thing. And we kind of had this little relationship going. Then the owner of the dog came to the property and she, she said, you know, I, I know my dog is coming to your property because she he has a tag on and I can, you know, I know she's been coming here. So can you, um, I rather want you to keep the dog because the dog has to run across the street of this busy road highway and better if you have the dog. And so then I, that's how this dog came to me and I, wow. I named her Isis. And she just traveled with me. She was like my companion. And she was the most well-behaved dog I'd ever, she would walk right by my side, sit, you know, I could go into a store, come out, she'd be right there. It's like a gift, you know? Yeah. But um, I mean, th this was the type of mystical things that was happening, you know? Yeah. It's really incredible. Um, but he, he had made sure that he had taken me to temples. He would take me to a temple and the dog or the or your shaman? No, sorry, my, <laughs> shaman, my friend. He had taken me to a temple to introduce me to the uh, the concepts of eternality and things like that, you know. And and the first time he had taken me to the temple, which was really funny, um, we were actually high on like some marijuana or something, and we went to the temple and. And I remember seeing the small murti of Srila Prabhupada, you know, and I'm sitting in the back there and, and I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, because I'd understood the concept of channeling and, and like accessing, you know, beings from another, you know, from beyond this body. And I was thinking, this is going to freak me out because the guy, the devotee was like moving the mic as he was going to bring it to Srila Prabhupada, that small murti. And I thought, if that guy starts talking, I am out of here. You know, I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> Thank goodness he did. Anyway, that, that was that was the thing. Um, and we we were vegetarians, so we would constantly run into bump into devotees, you know, here and there. Mm. And and my impression was always that devotees were clean. The smells were like otherworldly. It was very clean. The scent was sweet, and these these people weren't they weren't. Um, I didn't feel a threatened. I felt, you know, a sense of calm you know, around them, and uh, I really liked that. You know, uh, even though we did whatever we did, I always came back and I always felt this wherever I ran into devotees. And um, honestly, I I was attracted to the Hare Krishna woman. And because the women I ran into, they were like, you know, rough and tough and, you know, they, you know, 
like me, you know, like <laughs> the, the Hare Krishna women were clean and, you know, then you mm -hmm. had to cook nicely and they had nice smiles. And so anyway, Krishna had his way to. Yeah, it's one of his many ways of <laughs> Sodom, the beautiful devotees. Right. <laughs> um, I did want to segue into how I, why I, I decided to approach Bhakti in a more serious yeah. way. Yeah, and, please. Um, it had happened when I had, um, I had, um, through different experience um, reasons, I had decided to join the, um, sorry, um, to acquire a horse and cart. So my friends and I, we had, we had a horse and buggy and we mm. were traveling around South Africa doing uh, busking, making music and, and, and doing puppetry and things like that, you know? Wow, and, um, how cool. And it, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> um, and so I had a horse and a buggy and my dog and uh, on this one journey i remember um i was crossing i was by myself with the you know and i was crossing this bridge and um it was just a one lane bridge and we were going down crossing this bridge and there was a little stream under it and as we were going up this horse didn't want to walk up the hill and it started to back down you know and as it was backing down the you know, when you back up with the wagon, you know, it, was, it would go like crooked. So, and my fear was that it would go end up in the stream. stream. Yeah. So I was trying to encourage it and the dog got a little freaked out and I was trying to encourage it. And then he, um, the horse like got all excited. And then I jumped off because I wanted to pull the, the horse up the hill. Um, Yet again, I had few items, I had few belongings, and they were all that, you know, I had my wagon, you know. Horse. Yes, horse. The, the horse and the cart. I had a cart behind me. I was sitting on the cart. Then, then I jump off and I'm pulling the horse with the cart. Yeah, that's great. Ask whatever questions you need to. And uh, as I was pulling the horse, the dog jumped off because he was freaking out and the wagon went over the dog's paw and she barked and yelled and cried and that set off the horse. And this horse just took off with all my belongings and it ran off the side of the road and ran you know, through this field, this, this, this I, I can picture it, you know, it's just like oh this gosh. gray, this, this brown field of grass, long grass, and just running off. And I was chasing. And I remember this feeling like my life is just going over these hills, you know, and I'm trying to catch up. I'm like, this is all I have, you know, I worked so hard for this. And, and it was little, but it's what I had. And it's my life, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm wow. chasing after it. And my horse is running with my wagon and my belongings are just falling off a little pot, a little pan, you know, and, you know, a <laughs> little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's just going. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and I remember at one point, I just, I fell, you know, I, I, I fell and I hit the ground really hard and all the air in my stomach just went out of my, my stomach, you know, 
my, wow. my wind went yeah. out. And, uh, and the, my very next breath was just the taste of dust, this dry dust in the road, in the path. <sighs> and it went in my mouth and that taste and just seeing the, the horse down far and it ran straight against a fence and everything, the whole wagon got tipped over. And, and wow. I was just laying there just thinking, I can't hold this all together anymore. Like, and wow. I thought to myself, I need a guru. I didn't like, I don't know why I thought wow. that. I was like, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need a guru. I need the guidance here. I don't know what I'm doing. What a powerful story. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's like a movie, you know? I mean, that's kind of stuff that you see in a movie, you know, really exciting <laughs> adventure. And the, and, and the hero, you, the hero, laying there in the dust and not your breath knocked out of you swallowing dust and just surrendering you surrendered it was a moment of complete surrender i can't do this anymore this life is makes no sense to me right no. i need help wow that's amazing so then my very next thing i did i i i went to a, a city I left, I kind of left that thing. Some other events happened which really pushed and solidified this choice. So I, I went to a city and I was supposed to go to meet some friends and we were gonna go to some festival. And when I got there, they had all left. So I'm barefoot in the city, um, dirty barefoot guy in the city, nowhere to go. I'm practically homeless and I have a dog. So I'm I'm trying to find a place to sleep and I and I, and I camp out in the back of this, um, I thought it was empty property. And this guy in the middle of the night comes over there with a gun and he points it at me. Then this another strong realization was for me. And I looked at this guy and, I'm, and, and I thought, I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. Why would you think I would harm you? Like, and, and I was really pleading for my life. I thought this guy is going to really shoot me. He really looked... Like want to shoot me, and this is the second time I, I was in this situation where someone wanted to shoot me. And in South Africa, you know, that's just yeah, that's just par for the course, right? Yeah. And it, it really dawned on me at that time. It's really strong. It's like, wow, in first impressions last. This guy's looking at what I look like. I had dreadlocks, you know, and I had mm. I was like, you know, dirty. I had like I was barefoot, whatever, but I was a nice person but he couldn't tell. And I realized, oh, I need to, I need, I need to figure this out. You know, I need to, this is powerful right here. I, I need people to wish me well <laughs> when they see me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so, um, so then no, some other things happened and I end up in jail for shoplifting. And so, yeah, I mean, I've done like crazy things. <sighs> I shoplifted because I didn't care about the system. And I thought, well, these guys are, you know, they, they doing all kinds of stuff. So what, I'm just stealing a piece of cheese, you know? Mm. And I got caught and uh, put me in jail. Long story short, I get, I get, mystically, I get out of jail and I walk past a Hare Krishna temple. It just happened to be a Hare Krishna temple right there. I walk right by and I, and I, and I made this deal in my mind. I said, God, Great spirit, if you get me out of jail, I'm gonna dedicate my life to you. I promise. Like, 
and that's it. Like I'm done, you know? And I got out and mystically I got out and I go, I go to the temple and I, and it happened to be a temple right there on my path. And I thought, I'm going to go in, I walk in and I tell them, what can I do here? You know, I, I, is there anything I can do? And they, of course, they, there's a lot to do there, you know, they were like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, you can come in and cut up vegetables, you know? So mm -hmm. every day uh, for the couple of weeks, you know, I was in the area, I just went and cut vegetables and, you know, I didn't talk to, you know, I just did my service and whatever they told me, wash parts, you know, and, uh, and then they invited me uh, to come for a morning Shuma Bhagavatam class. So I thought, all right, I'll do that. So then I, I went for the morning Bhagavatam class and, um, and they were talking about the fifth canto, which was like the hellish planets. So, I mean, who attracts anyone from the hellish planets? But for me, I had experienced some sort of Yamaduta hellish planet experience in one of my trips. And I like, I was, I went back and I, I had this, Ex powerful experience that I couldn't explain to anyone of the description of the hellish plan. So when I heard this description, I was like, I know that it exists because I experienced that, you know, and I was, I was such a strong feeling. My hairs were standing on end like you would like in Bob or something, I guess. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is true. Like, I'm not crazy like this this is real that book has to be real like how is wow. that possible how did that book know what i experienced like because i know i experienced that so that was Amazing. it Amazing. I, 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 I told the, the guy after that i said okay a uh, very nice devotee Keshav probably from south africa shout out to him you know thank you yes <laughs> he was like such a kind loving he, guru he channeled guru for me you know mm. he he was he really did a good service of guiding me and just taking me from that position and cleaning me up and setting me straight you know As, uh, wow. wow that's amazing yeah the whole it, it is so wonderful to hear these stories because especially the how i came to you know the point where krishna kind of ropes us in and how all these things just line up, you know, I mean, the, the horse and your buggy, you know, disappearing, everything gone. And then you're on the street, you have, and you're sleeping in somebody's yard and they come out with a gun and they're going to kill you. And you have like this epitome that, yeah, people don't, they can't, they're, they're just seeing my external. They don't know my heart. I want to find people that understand my heart and, and then you go end up being hungry and stealing a piece of cheese and you end up in jail and then you make Krishna or God, wherever, you know, if you get me out of this, I will give my life to you. And, that, and there's the Hare Krishna temple right there. Right. Amazing. I mean, just the way everything is so orchestrated. How can, you know, it's like for me, remembering my own journey and and all those things it's always made my faith just so strong that yeah krishna's there he's just so much there he was there then and he's still here 
and through whatever the, the messiness of that life is bringing. Right. So that's really, thank you. Wow. I, I'm telling you, it's movie material. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And thank <laughs> you for, for helping me relive that. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Really powerful story. So then, then what happened? So then um, joined the temple and I really felt like at that time, the Hillsborough was, was on the, was going down. Like um, it was dirty, you know, the, this, it was, it was once a really booming center, but it was going down like really bad. There was people throwing trash out of the, the you know, the apartments, you know, I mean, the streets were, it was like, it was a hellhole, you know, but they, they had this little Hare Krishna temple. It was actually a building. It was like an eight foot story building there in the, in the heart, kind of heart of, of, of Hillsborough. And I, I really felt like this, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the bad management or all the, the bad things that this was going through at the time and all the, whatever the politics, if it wasn't for all that, I would never have been able to access it because I was dirty and filthy, just like everything else, you know, and I somehow it just landed in this filth and I, I could like enter and they were like welcoming and, and it was beautiful. And then they raised me up. It was incredible. Like, you know, it, it literally like from that ground floor, they gave me the service of Tulsi. Like, I don't know. They thought I was like a, a, a nature guy. So then they like, I was like a bhakta for like three months or something. And they're like, we need someone to take care of Tulsi. And her, her greenhouse was like right on top of this eight foot building or whatever. Oh. Eight story buildings, not eight foot, eight story. And so literally I was from the ground. I was like right on top. I got to like take care of Tulsi. Like, and all these Tulsi plants and made it like, really, I played music for, I had like the stars at night. I still had my little space, even though I was like in, in the city, I could be with nature. And it was beautiful. Like that, that was that, unfortunately the temple sold like, like a year and a half later, whatever. So that all ended and I had to go to another temple, but, but that, those were like these special, moments and all these nice sadhus would come through and they'd be very kind to me and you know and and give me they saw they saw they saw your heart that's what you wanted people that would see your heart right 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 um and then i was lucky to join another temple that um had really good management like this guy was so good if i ever wanted a a Hare Krishna experience with really good management. I experienced it. I mean, we had, it was called the embassy of the spiritual world. And we had all, it was an embassy lane in Pretoria and they had all these embassies uh, all around it. You know, there was like the Polish embassy, the US embassy was all down the road. And we, he had managed to secure a temple, uh, a preaching center. And we called it the embassy of the spiritual world, Hare Krishna. Wow. And it was beautiful. We, there was all young guys. We all, we, we did Harinam every day and, or well, not every day, but you know, twice a week or something. We did book distribution and 
and we kept the place clean. It was like, it was like the, it was beautiful. I mean, the grass was cut nice. We, the prashadam was good. It was just like, it was immaculate, you know? Um, but you know, all good things has a bad mm -hmm. side. So, yeah. you know, he, he, he fell down, you know, and then the whole thing kind of crushed because he was holding mm -hmm. you know? But I mean, we had a good ride there for, for a while. Um, but then that was, that was my good Hare Krishna management experience. Then from there, it just kind of went downhill, you know, and um, I was really challenged. Um, I, I kind of compare it to like hearing this whisper. You hear this faint whisper that, you know, so-and-so is doing that. You know, there's this, there's this, and, and, I, and I started hearing it more, like listening, what do you mean? Like, oh, and it's just listening to this gossip and mm -hmm. just becoming more and more real. And then all of a sudden, that's what I see. And like my whole world was like, oh, you're right. I see that problem. They got styrofoam they're using. They, you know, like I started seeing all these problems. And then I, I was not experiencing the, the, the joy of bhakti and, and the, the the spiritual vibration. I was just like seeing problems wherever I looked, you know. And um, so, you know. Messiness. This is the messiness we're getting into. The, the messiness, you know. And so um, I, I really didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> but that's what your title is all about. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, you know, for... <laughs> of someone who wants peace yeah we let's not talk about the messiness <laughs> um, but it's funny because that same theme showed up in our sangha and mm. I, I wanted to kind of yeah. i kind of wanted to get there but you know just to touch on because i think a lot of devotees uh a lot of us have maybe experienced the messiness in another institution and yeah. so it's easy to point a finger or whatever right. but um i remember anyway i don't know how to segue actually because i really wanted to talk about how i came to odaria um so i'm gonna pause at okay. that because that's really the messiness but it, it, it plays again and, and it's the exact same thing and it just plays in a different sangha and we kind of know what what that this kind of experience was like so i'm going to pause that and then come okay. come, and come back to that. to that sure so um i i left i left the practice of 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 uh iskon of uh, Hare krishna i left the the bhakti path because um i was kind of a little bit isolated I had my ex-wife was really connected with with the community and I felt I didn't feel that welcome you know because mm. really I chose to leave her and she was a really nice person really nice devotee and I chose to leave her because if we, we just weren't the same we weren't it wasn't working and so I chose to leave her and I didn't want to cross those lines. So I gave her the community and I was isolated and it was very hard to practice on my own. So then I, the only way I could live and be happy was to just not identify with it. So then I wouldn't have any shame. Then I wouldn't have any 
any, you know, remorse and all these horrible feelings I didn't want to have. So I was like, I'm not a Hare Krishna right now. So, hey, I can do whatever I want. And that felt better. And so then I could visit the temple when I wanted and just, you know, and that's what I figured. You figured out how to to find your peace and stay in it. I figured out how to find my peace. There we go. (laughs) So I I met my wife um, and she was just like perfect for me. And uh, we, I met her at the temple. Which temple was in New Vrindavan? It was a a Lachua temple. Oh, an Alachua temple, okay. It was at the Alachua temple. It was a Sunday feast and I met her and I thought, I can connect with this person. She likes being in nature and she she liked living on a farm and, you know, and permaculture. And I was like, all right, this is the person. And I got a number, you know, and then I called her and I said, hey, I'm going to the temple. You want to ride, you know? And that's how I ran. So I gave her a ride to the temple and I'm, hey, I'm going to the, I'm going to dance. You want to go dance? Yeah, she wanted to go dance. And so we did all the fun stuff, you know? Mm and uh and then i kind of my community became the the gurukul the second generation devotees of iskan mm-hmm. and because i could relate to them they their most amazing thing that i found about them is that they they partied they had fun but krishna was always a part of their life like they couldn't avoid that like krishna was just like you know they were always vegetarian they mm-hmm we could talk about things and we completely understood we had that background that we felt comfortable we knew that krishna was always there we eternal and we just struggling right now and you know this is life you know and we're trying to have fun just like everyone else you know and um so i felt comfortable in that you know and it was, mm. it was good you know it's like and we we started having kids and, and um, they were having kids. And so we had a nice community. And that time I was growing pot. I had a, I had a, a, a marijuana farm in California and life was good. You know, we had, we had whatever we needed, you know, and, and like mm-hmm. I lived the community life. It was great. Then um, my brother-in-law told me, uh, Let's go and visit um, this um, Odaria for it's Balaram's Balaram Punima. Let's go to, and we thought, yeah, let's go. Like, I, I've never, I don't even know Swami Tripurari. I'd never seen him or you know, heard of him. I think I've heard of him, but that was it, you know, just like in passing. He had left his gun or something. So we go up to Odaria and and we get there and it's this, it's this long winding road and we finally get to this place and it's just this hilltop and it's sandy paths, like not sand, but like, you know, dirt paths. And there's this house up there and there's cows. And I, and I looked and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's so, so, so peaceful again, it's <laughs> serene. It's like, wow, someone's doing this right. Like, this is how you should do this. Like, I feel like I'm transported. Like I haven't even met anyone and I feel like I'm in a different place. So we go to the temple and we meet Agni Dev Prabhu and he was there and he, he kind of guides us around and shows us the place. 
and he tells and he takes and he says come let's go and see the cows and he takes us to the cows and there's this this he looked like a Prabhupada disciple you know digging up the cow dung you know this and, and we say hi and you know he's over there and he smiles and and then he goes away and he comes back and he gives us some mahaprasadam, some 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 um, burfis or something. And we're like, wow, that's great. And he says, come back, come back later and we'll we'll speak a little bit on Balam Punima. And we go to the temple and we take prasadam with Agni Dev Prabhu and we do a little kirtan. It was it was sweet. It was it was really nice. That all the devotees it seemed like they really wanted to be there. You know, they were so happy, mm. and um, and then we go up to Swami Guru Maharaj's house, and it's the same person that was shoveling the, the the cow dung. And I was like, wait a minute, he was that he was that guy, and then now he's all in sannyas uh, robes, you know, and. And then he, he, he welcomed us in wow. and we sat down and it was like six of us. And, um, and my wife was, was there too, you know, it was my wife and I. And he spoke to us and he got, you know, he wanted to know about us. And it was so sweet. And that was it. That was like our first connection. And, um, and then we, we liked it so much. We thought, hey, let's go there for John Mastami. And then and then they invited us to go for Gorpanim. And then, so we just went for the festivals, you know, because we lived in California and we, we kind of made our way. And then we started giving a donation, you know, and, you know, maybe, you know, different things. But we could never do any service, which was a really powerful thing for me because, mm. you know, like I always wanted to do service there. Like, and, and, and it seemed like everything was covered. Like, no, 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 you can't. I, I, like I wasn't even qualified to sweep this place. Like they were like, no, no, there's a way we got to do it. And, and they showed me they like, there was a whole complicated way to sweep and to mop the floor. And I was like, wow, like, I guess I, I can't even do that. Like, I'm just not qualified to do that even like, all I have to come in, take Prashadam and listen to the, the talk, you know? So it's great service and giving donations. I mean, those know, are all big services know, right? you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I thought, like, I, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to be like a Hindu guy. I'm just going to come to the festival, give donation, and listen <laughs> to the, the, the Swami, you know? And then I remember once, one moment, I was sitting in class. I don't know, I don't know which class it was, how many times I'd listened to Guru Maharaj. But it seemed like the light, like, like at the moment when I was actually present, completely present to mm. what he was saying. And it was like the, the implications of what he was actually saying. It was my mind and my presence. I was actually there. And it, it seemed like, I, I, I remember distinctly like looking around at the devotees and thinking, do you guys hear this? Like, this is incredible. Like, and then I realized, like, wow, they've been here all along. Like, I just got here. Like, you know, it was like that epiphany. Like, damn, like, I just got here. Like, I've been here mm -hmm. the whole time. I've been coming. But I, now I'm here. And I was like, I get you. Like, I hear you speaking to my heart. Like, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, you know, the, like that, that aha moment, you know. And mm -hmm. um, so from then on, I was like, I was hooked, you know. And... 
Then he had, through the grapevine, he, told, he, he said, I want to initiate you in Janmashtami. And I was like, initiate me? Like, I was just a Hindu, like, last week, you know, like, whatever, you know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, like, I'm not qualified, you know, like, and I remember the devotee looked at me and said, you'll never be qualified. You, know? you can't be qualified for this, you know, because I remember in ISKCON, I had, I had been chanting 16 rounds for like four or five years, you know, going to the morning program religiously, man. Like I was like, I felt like I was qualified, you know, and they still didn't give me initiation. I was like, finally, they gave me initiation. I was like, all right, I'll just take any guru that wants to initiate me, you know, like, because, wow. you know, like I need to get initiated. Like I've been, I've been doing this for five years. No one initiated me. And here, like I've just been coming and, and meeting Guru Maharaj and, you know, and, and now he wants to initiate me. I was like, I'm not qualified, you know? <laughs> so, but he, and then when he said that, I said, all right, definitely sign me up. I'm taking initiation. Wow. And, uh, and he gave, gave us first and second. And, you know, I really felt the, mm. the affection. I said, this is it. I'm, I'm going, you know. And yeah, uh, so fast forward, just to get to that messiness part, um, you know, life is not as rosy as you think it is. And I thought like this Sangha is incredible. There's no fault. Everything is perfect. I've reached the spiritual world. But the same whispering I heard that I heard in ISKCON, I heard again, you know, it wasn't the flute sound <laughs> for <was> something else. <laughs> and I started paying attention to the sound and I started seeing it. You know, I started seeing uh, the same things I saw in Iskan, I saw in, in our Sangha. And, um, and I started fault finding, you know, I started mm. seeing it more and more to a point where I, I felt uncomfortable around the association of, of, of my God brothers and God sisters. And I couldn't, I couldn't come. I I'd made this decision to move my family from California to Saragrai on the, on the, on the guidance of my guru. And, and on my way there, I'm having a change of heart, you know, and I'm like, what do I do now? Like I'm coming, I'm moving to be here with the, with this community. And I don't think I want to be a part of this anymore. Mm, so that was wow. very, very hard. That must, have, that must have been really a scary moment. That was a very scary moment. Mm. And, um, you know, and so I have the ability to please others. So I somehow navigated this, this experience, even though within myself, there was a lot of, you know, difficulty. Yeah. Um, and it got to a point where Guru Maharaj came for a festival and I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to go. I was like, I am not going to go to this festival, you know, oh. and all my God brothers and God sisters are going to be there or most of them. And they're going to expect to see me and my family. And I, and I decided I'm not going to go. Mm. And I didn't go. Uh, but in the final day, through through some some arrangement, some some playing or some some affection of some 
some I don't even remember who it was. They kind of carried us, come, come for the feast, you know, at least come for the feast. So on the last day of the festival, hey, that's something I, you know, everyone likes. So I came for the feast. <laughs> and I came for the feast and but I didn't go to see Guru much. I was like, he was sitting over there honoring Prashadam with, with some of his uh, God brothers and sisters. And, and I was like, I'm not going to go see him. And mm. I took my plate, sat down on a Prashadam and talking to friends. And then my son falls from the tree and smashes his head on a concrete uh, uh, bench. And my whole world just crumbled. I was just like, in that moment, I was like, what the hell? And I brace off to hospital and deal with this whole thing. And, but in that moment, when that happened, I knew exactly on a subtle level what was going on. And I was like, I offended a, a, a vice you know? Amazing, amazing that you were able to, you know, make that kind of connection you know that and see it in a in a positive way as i mean some people might have thought that's it you know i'll never come back you know to see i come to the temple and my son almost gets killed that that's that's evidence that i need to get a far far away but you saw it you saw it totally differently due to your sukriti yeah krishna was no no no, he just, he just knocked his head and we, we had to go to hospital. Yeah. And, um, mm. and, um, and then, you know, I had a change of heart. I was like, okay. And then the next year or so was me like coming back into the fold, you know, of Guru's, Guru Maj's, um affection and he had, he's like what are you talking about like you never offended me you know i'm like and yeah i'm like ah oh. <laughs> i'm having a hard time so that was that was powerful for me um and i realized that um that he may not take offense but krishna krishna doesn't like his devotees to be offended Anyway, so um, so then I um, I try to change my angle of vision again. There you go. That's really, yeah. what it is about? Yeah. I think, oh, I got to change my angle of vision. Um, and it only dawned on me. So this is kind of like my final piece. It, it really hit home because my whole experience from leaving home was to find this this perfect situation so i had you have to understand like my first part of my life i was in a stable family my father was a mason we were we were we we had a community of people who who valued our family and and the community and the church my mother my family had done so much service for this community i was like i was part of that family you know this heritage so to then from that stability, I left home and I had never lived in the same place longer than a, than a year, a year and a half. Like I was always traveling, you know, like always my whole life. Even when I moved 
in the temple. I never stayed in the temple longer than a year. I never stayed uh, when I was in California. We kept moving. I, I just couldn't live in the same place. I don't know why. Just the lease would run out or, you know, whatever. Like the guy, the, the landlord wanted to sell the place. So I was forced to move. So I'm always moving. So I was always seeking for this, this community, this stability. And obviously when I joined, the, when I saw it in the temple, we wanted, we really wanted simple living, community of devotees. Of, um, so realized at, at one point, it was not very long ago where I realized that what I was seeking was Navadvip, was Nitya Navadvip. That's really what I'm seeking. And Guru Maharaj mm -hmm. mentioned it to me. And he said, you're looking for a perfect community, you know, but you're in this world. You're never going to find that perfect community. He didn't say it to me in that many words, but that's kind of like what he was saying, you know, like, you know, you're looking, the, the, the perfect community is the, the association of devotees that is perfect that is the perfect community but how it manifests like what you're looking for you know that you know that we all live of solar power and we're all living this simple life you know this romantic idea it's really not it's really that village life where we we harvesting you know we're living in, in this Leland, everyone's living so simply and life is so good. So when I, when I realized that, I was realized that I don't have the Adhikar for that. I, I think that in this one lifetime, I'm going to create a community. And there we go, like Nitya Navadweep right here. Like I'm just going to create Navadweep right here. Like I don't have that Adhikar to experience that. I'm just going to bring my baggage with me. And so is that person and that person. And it's going to ruin the whole thing. So when I realized that, like completely understood it, wow. I realized I gave up on the idea. I was like, I can't have this. And that yeah. I'm going about this the wrong way. You know, I need to, I need to figure, I need to do this. I need to get the Adhikar to, to experience this. Wow. And I will. That's what I want. I really want it. And I'm going to experience it one day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is so powerful. And I think that's a very common experience of coming to spiritual life and thinking, yeah, now I have, everything's going to be perfect. These people are perfect. The situation's perfect. And then it's not. And then we think, well, maybe it's not really even spiritual, you know, and we, we become discouraged. So through your discouragement, so I mean, really, this is this is one. This is great because I'm sure everybody that's going that's on this call today can relate to it on some level, and I'm sure everybody who's going to listen to this call because we've been getting a lot of viewings. It's going to be just a very helpful. It's your gift, your gift to all of us. Is your that experience you're sharing? Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Wow, and. Yeah, so this is probably the most profound change that you've seen in yourself is this ability to, to accept what, what is and realize that this is perfect in its imperfection. And then I moved to Hillsborough. And then I, something that I was resisting, 
just happened to be the perfect situation for me. And now my family has a circle of friends, an intimate circle. We have a bigger community of kind, loving devotees. And my kids are happy. Wife is happy. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> you know? Full circle. I mean, there's yeah. so many difficulties right now that I'm experiencing. You, I, don't, I don't even want to tell you all the things that I'm going through right now in my life. But I'm sitting here with a smile on my face. And because really, like, life, you trust. You're trusting. Is, You're trusting. The life is good, you know, life yeah. is really good. <laughs> it, it, and it is. It's just, you know, it's so much, just like a little switch inside of us. We can, we can choose to see the beauty in everything and how it's serving our advancing, or we can turn that switch of like all seeing all the things that are wrong and how this is not right and these people are not doing things the way they should and yeah that that switch is always there yeah. and it sounds like you have really switched gears and and in a yeah just it's um it's really wonderful well i'm gonna have to re-watch this video myself to remind myself probably <laughs> well that's great that's that's a, that's another great reason to do this is to remember yeah all the grace that we've gotten and we all have gotten so much grace and yeah it is just so easy the mind i think you know our minds are, are wired to look for what's wrong rather than what's right that's yeah. just you know so that is part of the journey is being able to switch that uh, thinking over to seeing all the good and it's it's just there very plentifully yeah. so so thank you so much i want to leave just a, a minute or two for some questions if anyone has any um for cora if you're any of the spanish devotees let's see oh i just said yeah go ahead Yes, okay, this is from Madan Gopal. I thought he was out on the beach. Well, maybe he is. Amosham is a mood booster for me. I love having his regular association because no matter what my attitude is, I know I'll be laughing if I'm with him. He's always jolly and his laugh is contagious. I'm blessed to have him close. <laughs> and, well, have... he's, he's very kind. Everyone <laughs> knows that about mother. Yeah, and Aditi, your wife, you are so kind by. <laughs> that... Oh, that's oh, me. No, that's you. Oh, that's I was thinking that was your wife saying that. Oh, you were saying that back to him. Yes, he is very kind. So, yes, um, that's my experience of being around you. Is and that might be your your shape shifting. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be. It might be. <laughs> oh. So, does anybody else have anything they a comment or a question that before we wrap up? Just a really, really wonderful interview. These just keep getting better and better. I tell you, I just keep thinking. Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine how we could get now you know I've got it's, it's it's going to be those quiet ones the ones that are shy and, and then you're stressing 
they finally come out and you're like, yes. whoa. <laughs> yes, good. We need to encourage those quiet ones to come out. Uh, Sakirati and Sham just came on with their video to, to, to say hello. And Ma Priya Devi Dasi from Mexico. And yes, that so, was wonderful. So Shamananda was one of the first devotees in Odaria that I uh, that I saw, and he was in Saffron, and he's stoic. He, I just love. He's just like he was just. I couldn't believe this devotee. Like he was just like so sweet, just always smiling, very kind. I was like, yeah. I always look forward to seeing him. Wonderful. Okay. Um, well, as, as I'm later, later uh, understood from the Sandarbhas by um, Sri Jiva Goswami, when uh, I was listening to a class by um, Dulal Chandra Prabhu, he had said something in the terms of the way I understood it was, there's nothing that exists but God. How can anything be not God? Like everything is, like everything you see is God. So it just, it was just my perception, you know? It's just my perception that differ differentiated it. So when you ask how, so this is how I kind of saw, you know, everything. And I, it seemed to me like Krishna is, is he was just this little boy that really appreciated nature you know he was always he was in nature he was, you know he's a he's a nature loving person so i like that i was like that's my guy <laughs> i don't yeah, know if i answered your question <laughs> discarding his jewels that mother you showed to puts on to put the mineral dyes and flowers and fruits in his hair and his turban yes yeah. he loves nature yeah just the gifts of nature which are yeah just... whose nature whose nature is it right to imagine exactly. like, this nature very nice any any other last comment question and if not we'll say goodbye and thank so much for Amal Sham for coming and sharing that beautiful story. And um, Akura, thank you so much for your translation. How do you do, everybody? <laughs> I don't know, they can't understand my question. <laughs> mm.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to thank everyone for for your uh, loving glance and your kindness. And I hope to uh, continue to be in your good graces. <laughs> yes. And so next week we have another um, sweet devotee from your neck of the woods, uh, Grungi Priya. We'll so we'll all look forward to having her and then the following week we have Subal. so we're gonna it's it's nice. it's definitely that area of north carolina's turn so we got to get some of these other devotees from other parts of the <laughs> i'd love to get these spanish-speaking devotees we have to figure out a way to do that because we'll need an interpreter we have done vaishnava maharaj we we did have and that went well. So, but we do need to start pulling some of them in as well. All right, my dear devotees, thank you so much. And we'll see everybody soon, I'm sure, for another call. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.